Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of the Kelly Green Hour, as we do have a guest today. But before we get to that, I'm your host, LG Hero, and joining me, as always, is Connor. Um, as always, you want to follow us on Twitter, at Kelly Green Hour. Connor's at Connor T-E-N, and I'm at LJ Harrell 54 uh, We like to interact with anybody and everybody, especially when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles. Connor, what's going on, bud? Oh, I'm doing great, LJ. Doing great, as always. Can't wait to talk about the Eagles. It's because it's Dallas week, and who doesn't like to talk Eagles football on Dallas week? We love one, Dallas week. One of the two best weeks of the year. Even, really, if, that, even, if, both te- even if both teams are terrible, like we don't care because the hatred is still there. I, I like hate, literally I hate right Dallas now. Fans. I hate Philadelphia born Dallas fans and I have a bunch of them in my family. So yeah, this hasn't been a good week. I can't stand Dallas fans that are from this area who have never set foot in the state of Texas, who can't put out pulling out Texas on a map and only like it because of that color, that star. It, uh, don't, don't get me started, Connor. Don't Because it's started. America's team. It's America's not, team. Stop. We need to stop with that mess. <laughs> Technically, the Eagles are America's team. If you want to be real, if we want to go back to the beginning, let, we can talk about it. But I don't but this, talk about this, that. Yeah, this is going to be fun to talk about because the Dallas Cowboys players are against the coaches and the owners up against everybody. He's on the. He's still somehow on radio right now and should not. They should get <laughs> him off radio. Please get him off radio. And then you've got... And then we, should, we don't even want to get started on the Eagles and the comparison of Aguilar and situations and stuff. We're going to get into it, but I cannot wait. But I would like to introduce our uh, guest today. He joined us uh, last year to talk some Eagles football. That is Josh McNutt of the Missing Link podcast. We finally get the chance to get him on. He's been a busy man. He's moving. He just moved across country to Denver and got married. Josh, how are you doing? And and how is the move? How's how's married life? <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, it's been a very busy October. Um, it's like you get married the week after you move, and Denver's fantastic. I love it here, but uh, nothing will take away uh, a night at the link. You know, the the stadium here is pretty empty, obviously for coronavirus, and the fans here are, are great, but nothing will uh, will replace that Philly love in my heart. Are you going to become a Broncos fan? Fuck no. <laughs> can we cuss on this? Yeah. Hell yeah, no. Yeah. Why not? We, we can drop a couple here and there. All right. <laughs> All right. That's kind of, that is the reaction. That's the answer that I wanted to hear. That wasn't rehearsed, by the way. No, did it was not. not expect that question. No, definitely not. All right. So we, we do have Dallas week come up. We have the trade deadline coming up in a, in a few days. Uh, but first, let's talk about Eagles-Giants. The Eagles uh, defeated the Giants 22-21 on a Carson Wentz to Boston Scott. Touchdown after Jason Kelsey hold and Kelsey after the touchdown was went over to Boston Scott was like, thanks for saving my ass, you know, because he called that probably the dumbest penalty of his career. Uh, But it was a game in which the Eagles obviously needed to win. It was a lot closer than it should have been. But I don't know if we could call it because it was the Giants and we know what how these two teams are. But can we call it a character building win? Can we call it a win that could possibly spark? the rest of the season as the Eagles get into, you know, more division matchups, the tougher part of their schedule, but also they start to get healthy. Connor, can this be a, a a win that could spark the Philadelphia Eagles? Absolutely. I think any divisional win is a true spark 
game, especially when you know you're heading into Dallas week the next week, the motivation that the Eagles seem to get from Dallas week, even Darius Slay was making mm-hmm. comments. And Darius Slay, this is the first time he's ever been a, an Eagle, and he's already showing that sheer hatred and that passion for the, the rivalry that's been built between Dallas and Philadelphia. I think any type of division win, especially in a year like this, is so vitally important and so huge. And and I think it's it's... It's definitely, definitely a huge, not even just character building win. It's just a big win going forward because then we got Dallas and we got the bye, then we got the Giants, and then we got Cleveland. And that's a nice little stretch of four weeks for us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at the schedule. Right now the schedule's playing possibly in the Eagles' favor. The only thing that bothers me, the Eagles played down to the level of competition. The prior two weeks to the Giants, they had the, the Steelers and the Ravens, and the offense played really well. I mean, they're two really good teams, the top, two of the top teams in the, in, in the AFC and in the NFL. I mean, they got a big game this week uh, for first place in the AFC North. But, you know, they played up in those games. And then you come home, a division game, a game that you you shouldn't be looking past. And, you know, a lot, and what a lot of people may classify as, quote, unquote, trap game. But they're not – Eagles aren't good enough. They were 1-4-1. And the emotions play and, – and, Josh, I saw one of your tweets – during the game night was 114 and one baby because they weren't looking good five minutes to go the Eagles down two scores and they were able to come back to win uh, but like why can't we see this consistency from this team Josh where the Eagles you know prior two weeks playing really well against two of the top teams in the NFL and then against the lowly Giants team they just don't look themselves like they did the previous two weeks we can't even lose properly guys I mean, you know, like they just won't tell me who they are, right? They'll play really well against the Ravens and the Steelers. And you think, okay, I mean, in the NFC, in this division, perhaps they can make a run at something. Mm -hmm. And then they'll play a team like the Giants. And I mean, the Giants were up by 10 with about, what, six minutes left. And so Mm -hmm. we clutch it. We end up winning the game. But at the end of the day, you shouldn't have been in that position anyway. You know, the Giants are not a good football team. And it really took some last minute heroics by Carson Wentz to make it happen. So it's very it's frustrating to watch this team because I would much rather us have an answer by this point of the season. Are you good? Are you not? And then I can mentally prepare myself. OK, we're bad. So we're going to go for a high draft pick or we're OK. Let's try going for the playoffs. But they're really in this weird in between where I don't know how to feel every Sunday because I don't think they're very good. Yet they are going to be having a great schedule for the next couple of weeks. And the division is very well in reach for whatever reason at two, four and one. <laughs> and you're right. It would be very nice if we knew, especially going into the trade deadline. All right. Can we be buyers or sellers? We're in that in between. Like there, there was talk a couple of weeks ago that the Eagles are going to be buyers. And then after they lost to the Ravens, it was like, all right, they're going to be sellers. Now we're sitting here three, three days before the trade deadline, a, a day before we face the Cowboys. And it's like, all right, what? are we? And, and Connor, we, we talk about, obviously we know what the situation is like next year in terms of the, of the cap. And if they're going to make a move, it, it's hard because you don't, I mean, we're, we're 22 million under the cap right now, but we want to be able to roll most of that over to next year. Cause we're about 60 ish million over the cap. Obviously moves are going to be made. If you look at this Philadelphia Eagles team, it's not going to look like this next year. Um, you know, it'll be Carson Wentz, it'll be Miles Sanders, Zach Ertz going to be here. We know Alshon and Deshaun probably aren't going to be here. They can't take get any um, takers for Alshon right now because he hasn't been on the field. Um, so what, what are your thoughts? What do you think the, about this team and 
and moving forward and going into the trade deadline. I mean, uh, for for me, I'm just not expecting anything big. I'm not expecting big things. Like, I mean, some people are like, go get Stephon Gilmore, do it. And like, I mean, we all dream about a Darius say Stephon Gilmore across from each other as cornerbacks paired with that defensive line that we have because it would be it wouldn't matter who was at safety wouldn't matter who was at linebacker because they they'd have a very limited role when you consider that but i just don't expect whether we're buyers or sellers if we're buying i don't think you're gonna see us buy big names you're gonna see us buy pieces that will fill in pieces who will cover even if it's just only for one year and if we're going to be sellers, well, we're really going to go all in on selling. But I think the whole selling idea has really been thrown to the wayside because the players who we had the opportunity to sell, like Zach Ertz, will be on the IR when the when the time comes. Alshon Jeffrey hasn't been on the field. Deshaun Jackson's on the IR. Uh, Derek Barnett's about the only one garnering interest, and then they put Will Parks out there. But Will Parks has barely been on the field and has been wildly inconsistent when on the field. So the big question becomes... You can't really be the big comment becomes you can't really be sellers because we have nothing left to sell. And if we're going to be buyers, we have to remember how badly we are in the cap situation next year. So I think people just have to accept this reality that if we're buyers, it's to fill small holes. It's to fill an LB2, LB3 role or a CB3 role or like a wide receiver three or four role or like a role that is not vitally important i say not vitally important and we're living in the next man up mentality like it's nobody's business but i mean they're just roles that people are going to just shrug their shoulders and be like meh it's a deal it's it's a howie deal at the deadline yeah it's not going to be like when we traded for um jay ajayi which came up on my facebook memories from three three years ago it's like we had, wow we made that ajayi trade for a fourth rounder um and if you think about it we traded sam bradford for what turned out to be um, Derek Barnett and Jay Ajayi. I might consider that a win as, as an Eagles fan. Obviously, we won the Super Bowl. Um, Ajayi, and Ajayi was a part of that, and Barnett recovering the fumble um, that Derek Barnett, or, or excuse me, that Brandon Graham when he strip sacked um, Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Obviously, the, the, the best days of our lives is Philadelphia Eagles fans. So I would consider that a win. Um, but you're, you're right. You know, just looking at it, we don't have pieces. If you look at this Philadelphia Eagles team and you Let's, let's extrapolate out five years. Who's going to be here? Is Carson going to be here? Is Miles going to be here? Jalen Rager, we expect to be here. But if you look at it, Dwayne, uh, Kelsey will definitely probably be retired. Peters will be retired. Um, Johnson, who knows uh, about him? I mean, he, he, speaking of Lane Johnson, he is one tough SOB. Like, he's got an ankle injury, an MCL sprain in the knee, and this guy is going to play against the, the Cowboys, lining up against Demarcus Lawrence. Like, I know that we want to see him get healthy, take the bye week, but you cannot question the toughness of Lane Johnson. What are your thoughts on on just like uh, Josh? Your thoughts on kind of like if you're looking at this roster, they don't have players where which you can be like, yes, they're going to be a building block of the future. You think it's going to be Carson Wentz, but at this point in time, I don't think we really know. Yeah, I think that's the biggest weakness of the current iteration of the Philadelphia Eagles is they don't really have a lot of young cornerstones. I mean, even Carson's 28, right? So there's not a lot here to build off of. Miles Sanders uh, this year has been a little inconsistent from an injury history perspective. You can't blame people for getting hurt, of course. But that's really the only young, exciting player that I see on the roster. I mean, Jalen Rager showed a little flash there. He's a rookie. We'll kind of see how he grows as the season progresses. But it's really... 
unfortunate that the roster is where it is. I think since 2017, Howie really fell in love with that veteran acquisition, you know, young veterans, I'm sorry, not young veterans, cheap veterans who Mm -hmm. are going to be able to come in and fill those roles. They've retired since. And even for the last couple trade deadlines, he's traded for people like Golden Tate, let him walk Mm -hmm. after eight games for a third round pick. He traded for Jannard Avery for a fourth rounder. And, you know, he's, he hasn't done anything either. Yep. Yeah, so I think Howie's lost his touch a little bit. You know, I don't think we've gotten excited about a move in a, in a little while outside of Darius Slay. So it's just this roster is old. This roster is in cap hell next year. And that's why I'm more in favor of them selling, you know, whether it is for like a bag of peanuts, getting all Sean Jeffrey out. You know, maybe you consider doing something with like Malik Jackson or even Jason Javon Hargrave. You know, Javon Hargrave was our number one signing in the offseason, hasn't yeah. done anything this year. So there's a lot to, to do here. And, um, you know, it's probably going to take a year or two before we start seeing that uptick of talent, youth infusion, and then we start getting excited about the next five years. Cause right now it's really hard to see where we'll be. Yeah. And if, you, and the division being so bad, that's like, we would have, if, if Dallas was what every, a lot of people anticipated them being, and this was an argument that me and Connor got into in the off season. Cause Connor's was talking about Dallas's offense. They're going to have three, 1000 yard receivers, you have a 1,500-yard running back. You have Dak who could set the record. You know, that offense is going to put up points. And then my, my retort to that was, that defense isn't stopping anybody. Dallas can put up 50. They're going to give up 51. And that's kind of how it's played out for Dallas. And then, the, and obviously, the injury bug has hit them, too. Not as much as it hits teams like the Eagles or the Niners. But it, it's still, you know, with the division, with the teams in it, and with it being a worse division than it was last year, like, it's so hard for us to sit here and be like, all right, sell, 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 because you have no chance. Because you're in first place right now. Half game up, that tie is going to be the saving grace, I think, for the Philadelphia Eagles. <clears throat> Just like it was in 2008 when they tied Cincinnati. And then they ended up making the, the, the playoffs with a 9-6-1 and one record, I think. Something like that. 8-7-1. I don't remember exactly. I think it was 9-6-1. and one. And, and that's what, what could happen. And obviously, once you and I always talk about once you get into the dance, anything can happen. You're going to have the home game. Do you deserve it? Probably not. But we saw what Seattle did against the defending Super Bowl champs, New Orleans, when they were seven and nine and made the playoffs, and there was beastquake. So any anything um, can happen. But I have a question for you, Josh. What is how, what is Howie Roseman going to have to do for Jeff Lurie to look at him and be like, "You're not it." I like he's been with this franchise for so long, and you know him and, and Jeffrey Lurie are really close. And Lurie's not the type of guy to just throw somebody out, especially a close friend. I mean, he did with Chip, but Chip. We all know what happened there. But what is Howie going to have to do, whether it's the rest of this year, this trade deadline, offseason, where, where Jeffrey Lurie is going to have to take a step back and be like, all right, I need to bring somebody in here that, that can actually bring my team and bring this team back to Super Bowl relevance. I think that's one of the more frustrating things about the division being so bad this year is mm-hmm. that even with a terrible record and a roster that anyone can look at and say, this isn't great, there's still that opportunity to go into the playoffs and go for the third straight year. How do you fire a GM for getting your team to the playoffs for three straight years? It's well, really difficult to do. If they go this year, to be four, year, four years yeah, in a row. Yeah, it's one of those things where you – Jeffrey Lurie has to take a step back and say, okay, they may have made the playoffs, but even last year we limped in. 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't like a dominant powerhouse franchise in any stretch of the imagination. I don't think the coaching staff necessarily is to blame here. I think that the personnel decisions, the drafting, we all talk about DK Metcalf or Jay Jaw. We all talk about, you know, the, the blunders that have happened over the course of the last couple of years. And uh, it's based on getting cute as opposed to sticking to evaluations. So I hope, you know, if we even make the playoffs this year, that Lori takes a step back and says, can I do better? Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not hopeful that that'll happen. And that's why I joke about them bottoming out and going one and 14, because it would really force him to do that. Um, but I don't think that that's going to happen. Yeah, and, and even if they went one 14 and one, the Jets would still get the first overall pick because they're just they're, they're the worst. One of the worst teams I think I've ever seen, even worse than those Detroit, the Detroit Lions team that went 0 and 16. Um, yeah, that, that Jets team is, is really bad. They're definitely tanking for Trevor, even though I do think Trevor would consider going back to Clemson. Who knows? That's a different story for a different day. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. Like something needs to change, you know, and when we look back at the, at the, the previous drafts, you mentioned the DK Metcalf and Jay draw uh, comparison. And as much as I love Jalen hurts, um, cause I'm, I'm, I, I'm a big Bama fan. So like watching him there and then I watched him at Oklahoma last year, you think we could have had Jeremy Chin, there were offensive linemen there that, that could be plugged in and playing right now, but we're sitting there with a, a gadget quarterback right now who we don't know if he has a future with the franchise because obviously that's going to depend upon on what Carson does. So Connor, like what are your thoughts on the whole Howie Roseman, Jeff Lurie, this dynamic on how do we bring this team back to Super Bowl relevance? Cause they've, they've regressed ever since winning the Super Bowl. For, for me, I don't necessarily believe that Howie isn't the guy. I don't believe that, like, he clearly needs someone in his scouting department to sit there on draft night and say, no, Howie, don't get cute. He needs someone in his ear like Joe Douglas was who can sit there and say, no, Howie, that's not the move to make. you got to make this move. We have to do what's best for the team now. Stop thinking about, stop trying to be cute like you were saying, Josh. Stop trying to think that you're, oh, look what I'm doing under the nose of 31 under 31 other football teams you're not doing something under the nose of 31 other football teams there's a reason most of them continued to skip on some of the people that we jumped all over and then you look at how failed it's been with the people we've dropped we've dropped the likes of waved the likes of Sharif Miller who I think might be back yeah he's on somewhere is on that somewhere is yeah and then you look at Sidney Jones who's doing so well whereas my guy Rasul Douglas who went somewhere and is doing a lot better because they let him play how he wants to play I think a lot of the guys in this organization and I know that this is a really hard thing to do but they need an ego check they need to check their ego at the door and say okay Rasul Douglas, look at what he's doing somewhere else. Jim Schwartz has to sit there and be like, okay, maybe forcing my way of playing on him wasn't a good thing, wasn't a smart idea. Like some people have to just check their egos at the door and realize to play to people's advanced strengths and and kind of give them the opportunity to be who they are and be who they were that got them to where they are in the NFL. They didn't come all the way through college and get to the NFL and get drafted and get out multiple teams' attention because they suck at the game of NFL of football. They did it because they're good at certain aspects, and it feels like this team's not good at evaluating those aspects that these players need to be played in, these situations that these players need to be played in and used in. And... So, I mean, I think it's that's the type of thing it is. But these guys have had somewhat questionably sustained success with the Philadelphia Eagles now. 
and like we said, getting into the playoffs and stuff to the point that they feel that what they're doing is good. They feel that there's only minor adjustments that need to be made and the team will be there. And that's not it. That's not the reality of the situation. I think they need to admit that they have faults. And just as much as the players have faults, they have faults and you can't keep throwing it on the players because Doug Peterson's play calling when it gets aggressive and when Carson Wentz starts get seemingly getting more involved and in Peterson's ear saying we got to do this or we got to do that seems to get a lot better as games go on and they get a lot more aggressive versus a game plan that Doug Peterson wants to do from the beginning. Like last week. I think he said, no, was it no, it was against the Ravens. They were apparently when he was interviewed, he said, oh, I want to get a run game established. And he pounded Miles Sanders at that Ravens line over and over and over again for those to the tune of negative yardage, one yard, two yards, negative yardage. And it never felt like we were moving forwards. And then when he opened up the playbook, boom, the game started going. But he decides too late to finally open up the playbooks. So I think these guys just need an ego check and just need to realize they're not the 2017 Eagles who won the Super Bowl. And they got they need to that reality check to really well, set in for them. The one thing I disagree with you when it comes to, you know, his game plan, like if, if you go back to, to that Ravens game, I, he, he, um, Miles Sanders was able to bust off the 70, what, 74 yarder that he fumbled and JJ finally got a touchdown. Um, but like we have complained as Eagles fans that he doesn't run the ball enough. And so like, I, I don't want him to, to give up on the run. Um, especially when you have a workhorse like Sanders, if, if he can stay healthy. And then last week's game plan, like, the, the first, the fifteen, the first fifteen scripted plays were really good. They went down the field on the Giants to start the game and score, and then they could do nothing after that until until the second half primarily. So I, I just want to see the consistency from from Doug, from this coaching staff, from this team, because if if they can get it together, and if you can get on a run, like we we've mentioned this, you have Dallas, you have the Giants, you have the Browns. They're three very winnable games before you get to the likes of you know the the Seahawks and the Cardinals and the Saints and the Packers. This is before we get into that, you know, death row stretch of games where who knows if the Eagles are going to be able to buy a win. So I, I, you know, they just have to find a way to get continuity and, and bring it all together. And I think with the, the rules this year where you're allowed, you're allowed to bring more than, you know, cause in the past you could only bring, I think it was three players off IR, but like you're, you're allowed to do that because of the COVID, you know, with the COVID restrictions and everything there, you know, they might not make moves trade wise, but if they're able to get, you know, they're going to get Jalen Rager back this week. That's a move. Um, you know, if, if you can get out um, a Deshaun back later on in the season and bring his veteran presence and his speed, if he can stay on the field, that's a move. Um, if you can start bringing some of these guys off, that could be you like getting TJ Edwards back. That's going to be a move if, if he can play. So, I, it's going to be interesting to see how, how things play out uh, for this team. But we are going into Dallas week. This is, this, and Connor, we and you talk about it all the time, best, best week, two weeks of the year when we face, since we faced them twice. Before we get into the game, let's talk about favorite Dallas Eagles memories. Uh, I know we all have a couple, so I want to start with you, Josh. Your favorite Dallas Eagles memory in, in this reviled history that that these two teams have played against each other so they've never played each other in the playoffs but yes they one did. time where it was pretty close was a little time in uh 2008 
44 to 6. I was at that game, by the way. Oh, fantastic. So you can speak a little bit more to how hyped you were during it. But just to remind folks, it was pretty complicated. So I actually went back and looked because I remember it being, you know, that game could be for a playoff game. It just depended on some things falling our way. We needed two things to happen before that game started. One, the Raiders needed to beat the Buccaneers. Mm -hmm. And then the Bears needed to upset the Texans that year. The Texans were pretty good. So those two, two things happened before kickoff. So everyone knew that this was a playoff game, you know, winner take all. And for the Eagles to just put such a hurting on the Cowboys, it was an embarrassing performance by the Dallas Cowboys. It really broke up like T.O. and, and Romo and all those guys uh, afterwards. It was just a glorious thing to watch. So please let us know. How did it how was it in person? Oh, it was it was amazing. And the best part about it was I went with a friend of mine who's a Dallas fan. So because of all that stuff and both those, both those games were they were double point or they were you know double figure favor or excuse me underdogs uh, that the eagles needed needed those games to the outcome of those games to happen um but so i went with a friend who's a dallas fan he he called me up he's like dude this game means nothing we can get tickets on the cheap we went on um i think he went on craigslist at the time this might have been before StubHub. um but um he, we got 50 yard line nine rows behind the dallas bench for like a hundred dollars a ticket. This is how like, and we got the tickets before every outcome the Eagles needed or in Dallas. Cause this was a, a de facto playoff game. Cause if Dallas would have won, they would have made the playoffs. Um, so we're walking through the parking lot as we go. And, and, and I'm, and I'm checking scores. And I'm like, man, everything's happening. And, and as we're walking through the parking lot, there's, there's Eagles fan. I'm wearing my Brian Dawkins Jersey. He's wearing his Tony Romo Jersey. And they're like, Hey Dawkins sack Romo. Like they wanted me to hit him. And it was all, and fun and it was all fun and games. So we get to the stadium. We're in there. We're behind Dallas's bench. To's acting among, uh, acting up as usual. I'm positive that Dallas went into that game thinking that nothing was going to happen because Dallas had a, as much to play for as the Eagles did. You could see it in Dal in the way Dallas played that they wrapped it up for the year. That, that week they didn't take seriously. They didn't think. And the Eagles, Andy Reid. The one thing Andy Reid deserves credit. He always had his team prepared, especially in big games, it seemed like. Besides, play, I'm not going to go to NFC championships. But, like, if, if they had to make the playoffs, I felt like Andy Reid had his team ready to play. And it was the, the first quarter. I think it was only, like, 3 nothing. It might have been 3 nothing Dallas or whatever. It wasn't. And then the Eagles started. Brian Dawkins forcing Marion Barber to turn it over. Cilio Hansen returning fumbles. It The atmosphere was amazing. This is, like, and this is what I miss about, like, when you go to games nowadays and or if we were able to go you know when you have these big games and you got fans 77,000 fans in the stadium and I'm sitting there hugging people I've never met you know for high-fiving people I never met my friend wanted to leave at halftime and I was and he drove and I was like uh yeah bro you need to sit down we aren't going anywhere because this this is what I've been waiting like it was just a bit. The second half, the fourth quarter was just a big party, and all the like. Most of the Dallas fans that were talking trash beforehand, they were all gone. Uh, but yeah, that the atmosphere, and this was, and this is the memory that I was going to bring up because being at this game was the just the best experience I've ever had in, at an Eagles fan at, at an Eagles game. I wasn't able to go to the Super Bowl last or in 2017. Um, I don't know if I would, I mean, I would have wanted to, but I think I enjoyed watching it with the group of friends because we've all been waiting for that moment 
for our entire lives. So I'm glad that like I was able to do that. But being at that game and that moment um, was just incredible just because of the the atmosphere, um, what it meant. Because the Eagles ended up going to the to the NFC Championship game and the game that they should have won against Arizona. And it still bothers me that Kevin Curtis got interfered and they didn't throw the flag. But it's a different story for a different day. Connor, what, what, what's your favorite memory of um, Eagles-Dallas? For me, um, I mean, I, I always bring up the David Akers at, at the draft when he's <laughs> uh, when he just go, comes out to make the Eagles pick and he's all getting everybody riled up and the booze are raining down and we make the pick. It, that's always just a funny one because that just shows how bitter the rivalry is and how angry the rivalry is. He was better like, than Pearson the year. I think it was Pearson the year before what he did in Philly. Exactly. Like you can't like you can't that that is just that's a guy who who's, was subjected to this rivalry for so long and he it, it lives in his blood and runs through his blood to this day and will continue to run through his blood for till till the day he dies, because that's just <laughs> what Dallas week means to Eagles players, even if they come in for one year contracts, you buy into this rivalry. And for me, from a game perspective, it's a December 2010 game with the Michael Vick. To Deshaun Jackson, 91-yard touchdown and the David Akers 28-yard field goal, which basically wrapped it up despite the, uh, the, at the time, it was John Kitna trying to lead the uh, final comeback drive for the, uh, for the Cowboys. That's a game that definitely I will always remember, mostly for the Deshaun Jackson uh, catch and run. his His Nestle plunge into the end zone. Yep, exactly. Um, but I mean, one of my fa- the favorite because it literally expresses the sheer hatred that Cowboys fans have to anything related to the Eagles, and then the just the hatred and how much we like to make fun of the Cowboys with Acres. That just I feel like that one every year is something that needs to be played every time it's Dallas week because it just goes to show how bitter the rivalry is. No matter what, it could be a draft pick, it could be anything. But the minute you bring up that Philadelphia Eagles to Dallas Cowboys fans, that happens, and vice versa the other way. Yeah, and the only person that, that, that came to Philly that I didn't buy into it was that fraud Orlando Skadrick last year. He probably gave the, the Cowboys our plays in that game going into the, to the game, first game in Dallas last year. Um, there have been other memories. Chip's first year, 2013, uh, for the division, Week 17, Brandon Boykin picking off um, Kyle Orton. That was a big one. 1980, which I don't think any of us were born. I don't know how old you are, Josh. I don't think you were born in 1980. If, if... I was not alive. <laughs> okay, I wasn't, I wasn't even either. a consideration uh, at that <laughs> point. So Yeah, I wasn't either. But um, the NFC Championship game in Philly where uh, Wilbert Montgomery busted off what was like a 50-yard touchdown run um, and it helped the Eagles to go to their first Super Bowl that year. So there are definitely a lot of memories. When, when you're, and pickle juice game. How could you forget the pickle juice game? Deuce Daly going off for a 201 yards. Andy Reid starting the game with an onside kick. Like, there are so many good memories for Eagles fans. Obviously, there are a bunch of bad memories, but we don't like to think of them. Um, but, yes, yeah, so we're hoping for another good memory uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles Sunday night against Dallas, against Ben DiNucci. And this is where we talk Eagles-Cowboys um, Sunday night football. I don't know about you guys, but – all week, I've been getting this bad feeling that we're going to see another Joe Webb type of game. If we all remember back in 2011, maybe 2012, um, 
where the Eagles were supposed to play Minnesota on a Sunday. It got snowed out. Uh, they played on a Tuesday night, and Joe Webb was the quarterback for Minnesota against Michael Vick and the Eagles, and Joe Webb beat Michael Vick and the Eagles. And the Eagles, I don't think, won a game the rest of that year, and, and that was kind of the undoing of Andy Reid. I think he lasted another year. Um, but Ben DiNucci can't beat the Eagles, can he? Like, this is something that shouldn't happen. What are your thoughts, Connor? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm having that bad I'm, – I'm just seeing – bad things as this week has has progressed i mean he would need a ton of help from his weapons who have have literally not been able to do anything since dak prescott went down i mean we remember zeke tried to put the team on his back and fumbled the ball twice a couple weeks ago um the deep the offensive line has beat the crap like you have to expect that zach martin's coming back this week yeah but but you have to assume that ben denucci's got like Oh, man, like he's going to have a couple seconds with the ball to make a decision and to make that throw. And this guy went undrafted. This guy is not like this guy was never not even a thought to play a game ever, probably in a Dallas Cowboys uniform. So, I mean, our defensive line can have a field day because their offensive line has not looked good. Their offensive line got called out for just letting Dalton get absolutely obliterated and just standing around like, oh, my gosh, did you guys see that happen? When Nick Foles got blown up and Jason Peters got thrown out the game because he went after the the Washington player that did that a few years back. Exactly. Like, there's just – it, like you said, they, they, it feels like the the pre-show we talked about, it feels like the Dallas Cowboys give up. And these are the situations where you definitely will see what they really have. You're down to your third quarterback. Do you have the heart? Do you have the soul? You're not out of the playoff race by some shock and lucky roll of the dice. Um, But at the end of the day, I mean, like, I just can't see how Ben DiNucci can do anything. Like, I mean, we enter the game as nine and a half point favorites. That isn't by chance. I mean, am I picking the Eagles to cover? No, I don't. I don't think we win by ten points. But do, but I don't. It's gonna be one of those games where it feels closer than it actually is. But it's a game we're probably gonna dominate in all three phases, and it just will be one of those games where it's within a touchdown. And like, how is it even within a touchdown? And then you go back and look back, and you'll you'll see they get why. A garbage time touchdowns. Yeah, the garbage time touchdowns, the back and forth, the prevent defense, those types of things. You look back, oh, yeah, that's why Ben DiNucci kept it somewhat of a game. But, I mean, at the end of the day, the weapons haven't been there this year since Dak Prescott went down. Zeke's having issues. He's going up against a tough defensive line, a stout defensive line against the run. Um, and, like, it's it's going to be a rough, rough day for Ben DiNucci, I think. I, I hope you're right. Um, Josh, am I overthinking this? Because looking at the Eagles – they're going to have Darius Slay, Mikel Roby Coleman, and I think Avante Maddox are your three healthy corners. Obviously, Jalen Mills can, can move up the corner. Um, Kevon Wallace is back, thank God, after that injury he had against Baltimore. Uh, Will Parks is still here. Who knows if he'll be here past Tuesday, but he's here. Um, and we know the weapons. You know, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup. Uh, is, Schultz, or is Dalton Schultz their, their tight end? Um, Zeke Elliott. They're getting healthy on the, healthy-ish on the offensive line. Zach Martin coming back. I feel like Ben DiNucci's not going to have to do much, um, and we know that the Eagles play downs at a level of competition. But am I overthinking this and thinking that like the Eagles, if you know, that they're going to come in and kind of smelling themselves and not taking this game seriously? No, I don't think you are. I'm scared to death of this game. 
<laughs> I think uh, I was at the Joe Webb game, by the way. So I, oh, I got to I... witness this in person. I drove um, four hours uh, from my school to go to that game on Thursday night and watch Joe Webb whoop our butts. So uh, anything can happen on any given Sunday. And I think you bring up a good point that Dallas has great weapons. You know, like Andy Dalton wasn't getting it done, but you got this guy who is you know, young energy. He's just out there. I mean, this might be his only start of his career. You know, I mean, he's going to be doing everything he can to win that game. And that can be very infectious to the rest of the players that you're playing with, you know, to watch your quarterback die for first downs or just throw it up for grabs. And our secondary is not exactly equipped to handle the trio of CD, Michael Gallup and Mari Cooper. So I don't know. I mean, it's a rivalry game and the way that last week went, we're playing the giants and you would think the same thing about the giants. You know, they don't have a lot of weapons and you know, how is this, how's this going to go with their offensive line? And we really had to have some late game heroics to make that even, you know, happen. So I don't know. I think that this could be a very close game. I would absolutely take the Cowboys if we're talking about betting line. Um, But I mean, this is by no means a a gimme game. I think that Danucci could come through and, and, you know, show us some of that Joe Webb magic and we'll be here talking next week how angry we are that we let this one slip through our fingers. I feel bad that you were at that, that game. That, that that was just a brutal game to watch. Um, just watch Minnesota thoroughly outplay the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and if we go to the defensive side of the ball, we know Dallas's defense. They are not good at all. But this could be, again, you talk about getting a, a renewed sense, you know, going into a rivalry game, but also getting a quarterback where you know you have to step your game up to help out that quarterback. Uh, we know DeMarcus Lawrence and um, Lane Johnson have battles. Aldon, Alden Smith uh, is top five, I believe, in the NFL in sacks. Um, you know, uh, Stephon, or excuse me, Trayvon Diggs, he's a rookie, but, you know, is he going to be on Fulham? Is he going to be on Rager? Who knows? Like, Obviously, I've watched Diggs play for the last couple of years at Alabama, being a, being a Bama fan. So while he hasn't shown it yet this year, he does have that that ability. And we know the linebackers, Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith, can cause, cause havoc. I don't know if they fit the scheme that Mike Nolan is trying to play, though. And this is where the Eagles have to take advantage. Hopefully, the Eagles have looked at what other opposing teams have done. And, you know, Dallas seems to be out of position. The Eagles need to stop running a vanilla offense. And I hope with getting some of these players back, Dallas Goddard should be back. And we know Jalen Rager is coming back. If they're, they're starting to get healthy on the offensive side of the ball, they can finally start move, moving the ball downfield instead of dinking and dunking their way down. Obviously, the last couple of weeks, they've gotten Hightower involved with, with deep passes. And that's a good sign, especially after the drop against Baltimore, which I still think could have changed the game if he would have caught that first ball because I think he scores a touchdown there. And then anything happens beyond that point, especially after the end if Miles Sanders caught his in that in that Ravens game um I, I just think that the Eagles cannot outsmart themselves Doug Peterson cannot think he's the smartest coach in the world and be like oh well they think we're gonna do this but they think we're not gonna do this so we're just gonna do this anyway I know that may have been confusing um but yeah so so Connor what are your keys to this game what do the Philadelphia Eagles have to do to get keep to get that keep Dallas out of the game early and maybe run away with this one I'm with you guys to the point where this Eagles team isn't good enough to be favored by 10 and a half, 11 points, whatever it is right now over anybody, maybe not even the jets. So if we were betting and we were doing it with against the spread, yes, I probably would take Dallas, but is there a chance or what can the Eagles do to, to kind of make this a, a game where Sunday night, we're not sitting there in the fourth quarter fighting our nails because it's a lot closer than it should be. 
Yeah, I mean, for, for me, to, to bounce off that comment about Doug Peterson, it goes back to the ego thing. Like, I think that he just, he has to stop thinking he's better than everybody else and that he knows everybody's move. You know what, we get it. The, your job is to kind of make that that proposition that you know what the other team's doing and you know what the other team's thinking. But I also think Doug Peterson and, and Jim Schwartz sometimes overcomplicate it to the point that it causes issues and they within with the team that's on the field and they're getting confused and they're getting lost and and them trying to outdo the other team so i think that rolls back on that that he just needs to simplify the game plan if he wants to blow up that offense the best way to do it i have without miles sanders ram you gotta you gotta use your passing weapons against this passing defense because this passing defense is to i get i get like what you talk about alden smith i actually just looked it up he hasn't had a sack in four games he hasn't had a qb hit in two games so he's starting to come back to reality and that was against arizona and washington who i think our offensive line is probably around on par with them Mm -hmm. um so but ultimately for for me that's a big one. Use your weapon. Open up that field right away. If you got Jalen Reger back, you open it up. You open that wide. You got Hightower and Reger. Put them each outside and just have a field day. Have a race. See who can get down the field and open the furthest and the quickest. And you you have to do that. This isn't a game where it's at. Let's run Boston Scott at that defensive line a few times and see what see if they see if they bend and break. No, this isn't that type of game. This is a game that if you playing well and you playing smart, it's as simple as throw the damn football. And that's they, like I get that Richard Rodgers is still going to be the primary tight end. But I mean, you still got some deep, really good weapons if you with Jalen Regerback, you got Hightower, you got Ward, you got Travis Fulgham. You got these guys who have been re, have been showing up when they've been given the opportunity to show up. So continue to use them that way and just throw all day all over that secondary. That is the biggest priority on the offensive side of the ball. Don't do that. Like you said, that vanilla playbook, run the ball on first and second down, try to throw on third down. Oh, damn, three and out. Here we go. And you don't want that situation. You want to keep the defense fresh. You want to keep that defense rested so that they can wreak havoc on Ben DiNucci, which brings me to my second point of the defensive line has to own that offensive line. I don't care that Zach Martin's back. Back. there's other weak points across that offensive line so try and try and like make it so that that you exploit those ones get inside take them out get the pressure even if it's just the pressure ben denucci is an undrafted free seventh agent round, seventh round seventh round sorry seventh round i thought it was undrafted seventh round might as well have been an undrafted <laughs> quarterback in the nfl who never thought he was going to see the light of day in a cowboys uniform as a starter and now he is this you all you have to do is create pressure. You don't even have to get sacks. At the end of the day, if we see that he got pressured 20, 25 times on 50 percent or more of his dropbacks, that's going to cause havoc for Ben DiNucci because, you know, that his his ability to process and to make a play probably isn't up there with a guy like Andy Dalton or Dak Prescott. So if you can create that pressure early and create that pressure often, I think he's going to have a really tough, tough game. And that comes back to that defensive line. You just got to wreak havoc and you got to say, hey there, Ben, we're going to be here all day or all night. So we're going to get to know each other pretty damn well. Yeah. And I'm the only the thing about Ben DiNucci is he, he's more mobile than than Andy Dalton. And the one thing the Eagles do struggle with are quarterbacks. That, and I'm not saying he's like Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes mobile or Jalen Hurts mobile, but he, he can move around in the pocket and, and get outside the pocket and make plays, I, you know, I, I do watch a lot of college football, and Danucci was, I'm pretty sure, 
when James Madison won the national championship, I think it was two years ago. Um, I think he was the quarterback. I'm not, I'm not one. I don't remember. I'm not hundred percent sure, but like, so he played in big games, obviously not NFL level games um, and in a rivalry like this, but the Eagles have to be able to find a way to contain him and, and keep him in the pocket. Um, Josh, before I get to your points, do you think Dallas is tanking with getting rid, obviously trading Everson Griffin. Um, they got rid of Woolley and Poe who aren't doing anything for them anyway. And there's talk of them possibly trading out in Smith, making moves. Um, who knows? Even Amari Cooper has been on the uh, name has been brought up. Do you think you know Dallas is tanking for a possibility of getting up the top three pick, top four pick, and maybe moving up to draft the Trevor Lawrence if they're able to make that trade? Absolutely. And I think it's a smart <laughs> thing to do. I mean, you lose Dak. And you know you'll have him in that back next year. You know you were really cooking, but there's a lot of holes on this team. I mean, you look back at Dallas's performances, and they gave up 39 points, 31 points, 38 points, 49 points. I mean, Dak was doing everything he could to win these games by scoring 43, sometimes 50. It's just uh, this team is bad, and I think Jerry's probably looking at this saying, okay, he's hurt. That gives me the excuse that if we lose, it's not my fault, right? It's the injury bug. So let me try to trade away who I can, get the draft picks I can. Because last year, you know, you look at them like being in the position to draft CD Lamb. And that all came from being, you know, having a worse record than the Eagles. So mm-hmm. that, that's one of the biggest drawbacks, I think, to us winning the division this year is we are going to be guaranteed a 21 plus pick um, when we really need an infusion of young talent. So if the Cowboys are going in that direction, I hate to say it, but I think it's a very smart decision on Jerry's part. Ah, there are 14 teams that make the playoffs now because it's seven. So maybe we can get 18. I know. I know what you're saying. I know. I get your point. Um, yeah. And, and it's hard. Do you think, but I, I'm of the belief before, before we get to your kind of your keys to, to this week's game, I'm of the belief that getting Carson Wentz playoff experience where he actually plays more than eight plays is really important. And yes, you're going to have a, a, a draft pick that's going to be in the twenties. And, you know, it's, I hate to use that excuse because the, the Patriots draft in the thirties that seem to draft in the you know late twenties, early thirties, a lot. And their team not counting. Obviously they had the quarterback. Um, their, their team seemed to be able to figure it out. Um, and that's with Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick uh, drafting. But don't you, do you think getting Carson Wentz that playoff experience, even if it's a one and done, and he, but he gets to play the entire game and gets to feel what it's like to be in a, an important game in a playoff game, isn't that important though for his career, for his trajectory, and for him moving forward as the Eagles possibly look to build this team if they're able to and, and move trying to get closer to a uh, Super Bowl contender? So I would see where you were coming from if that didn't happen last year. Okay. And what I mean by that is we kind of limped into the playoffs, right? And we got that playoff experience. And then unfortunately, Carson got hurt. Mm-hmm. You see where we are a year later. You know, we're kind of, you know, still in that middling. You know, we, we got Jalen Reger and he seems like he's going to be a hit. But you couldn't really reach for who you really wanted. And that was a C.D. Lamb. So mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that you're kind of in this game where – he goes to the playoffs, he gets hurt, and then we draft Jalen Hurts. And, like, his psyche has to be, I need to do something soon, right? This year, next year, I need to kind of ward this guy off because clearly they drafted him for a reason. Even though the money's tied up in Carson right now, it's only tied up for the next two years. So there is a lot of pressure on him anyway, and I think that's why 
he's always going to fight. He's always going to, I mean, he's a tough, tough headed guy. I mean, he's a tough SOB. He wants to be the best. And I think he should be the quarterback for the future. I hate what we did to him this off season, but I don't know if the trade off of him getting one playoff game, especially if he loses that playoff game is worth the narrative that would happen. Cause let's just say he got to the playoffs this year and lost in the first round again. Can you imagine the media storm that's going to hit him? I mean, okay, so now you finally finished a game. Congratulations. You can't even win one game. I mean, it's like the media is always going to be unfair and the experience is valuable, but this guy needs talent around him. I agree. Even if they're going to play a team, it doesn't matter. They're going to play an NFC West team. It's going to be the, the, it's going to be Seattle or the Rams probably, or it could be the bit. Imagine Nick Foles coming here and, and losing to Nick. Now that, that I think talk about, that would medium. be a nightmare. Talk the Bears beat us. Storm. Oh my God. Nick Foles against Carson Wentz in, in the wild card round. But like they are going to, if they make the playoffs, they're going to play a team. They're going to be the underdog. They're not going to be the better team. So does that change it a little bit in terms of like the media shouldn't come at him. If the team that they're playing is, superior obviously they're better the eagles only made it because they were playing in the nfc least um and the team again the team they're going to play is going to be a an nfc north team the bears or the 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 packers or it's going to be an nfc west team the the rams or the seahawks does that change it at all or no it it would impact it if they didn't do this to Carson ahead of time. So, you know, most teams, when they have a franchise quarterback, they try to surround him with talent. They give him the big contract and they say all the right things. Unfortunately, what they've done is they've drafted his replacement, quote unquote, not his replacement. Um, they've kind of given him zero indication that, you know, it's, it's really his team for the next 10, 15 years. And that's why it's so valuable as just an organization to be in, in, in lockstep, right? This is our guy and this is what we're going to do in the future. So that way, when you go to playoff games and you lose, it is real experience. There is no extra pressure. It's just, you want to win the game. You want to, you know, get that experience that way next year or the year after you can come back and know what you're up against. But since they've kind of set up this in a shaky ground, it, it has a different connotation. And that's the unfortunate thing is he needs to be super successful to the point where there is no question or people are going to be questioning, hey, you know, this is great for right now, but are you really the quarterback of the future? And that's just an unfair thing to put on your quarterback, especially if you feel strongly about him. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say that the, his his career is kind of parallel with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers didn't start right away, but... This stat, I think, is mind-blowing. Aaron Rodgers has thrown a touchdown pass to one player that's been drafted in the first round, and it wasn't even a player that the Packers drafted. It was Mercedes Lewis, who was drafted by Jacksonville. Like, And so I, I, I get the point. You want to put as much talent around him, but that also comes to your scouting staff being able to find players that you can draft in the, second, in the third, in the fourth, which the Eagles – they've struggled with, and I think this is something that we can all agree on, that they've struggled with with drafting players in later in the draft that can come in and, and be big-time players for you, t- players that you can build, players that you know you can find a way to fit into your system, and, and they've struggled with that, unlike a team like, say, the Packers. The, you know, they, they, they've gotten players late, late in the draft, and Aaron Rodgers has made them work. And obviously Aaron Rodgers is an all-time great quarterback, and I'm not saying that Carson is going to be that. Obviously, we hope he is. Um, but I, I don't know. I just I just think that I, I'm of the belief I want to get him as much playoff experience as possible. And I understand that it could be a deterrent to the franchise because you want to 
you want to get under the cap. You want to get as much talent in here as quickly as possible. And doing that might be missing the playoffs, getting a top 10 pick and finding the best available player at whatever position of need you, you have. But I'm still of that belief. Look, get them to the playoffs and anything can happen. I also think with Aaron Rodgers, it's like, look at, look, they built a rock solid defense around him. It took a while. And it's, it's deep. It did take a while, but you also, it, it pales in comparison to the fact he has Aaron Jones, a top five running back in the league and Devontae Adams, a top, probably a top three wide receiver. No, but that, that's just, that's just a fact. The idea that they were able to build that type of, those types of guys who were able to draft that way and have those two guys really emerge and be able to foot the, like you look at Devontae Adams, he's getting 15 plus targets a game. Like that's great. I know Fulgham's gotten pretty close, but this is 15 targets a game every single week. And we have yet to get someone you can fully trust to just pepper the guy with targets and he's going to catch 80, 85, 90% of those targets on a given week. Um, you could have drafted DK in what round? Because uh, he got drafted second, after second, yeah, I think it was I'm just still saying he could have been that guy, and that's where the scouting staff has to be better. I mean, I think with DK, though, like it's important to denote that there's a lot of teams that also passed on him for the worry that he was just a combine freak. And none of us were sitting there saying DK over J-Jaw, like, sure thing, let's do it. At the time, both picks looked like, well, well, let's wait and see what happens with these guys, because we knew the weaknesses to J-Jaw games. We knew the risks of DK and the potential quote combine monster that he was so i mean it's easy for us hindsight 2020 we can sit here and we can look back at the dk pick and go on about the dk pick but go back to draft night look at draft night in that situation the draft grades on the two of them were not like light years apart like the way that they're playing right now yeah so i mean it'll be interesting to see we're just going to be haunted by dk is going to be the new earl thomas probably uh mostly but uh before we get to our to our unheralded player and the, the game predictions. I don't know if you had anything to add, Josh, in terms of you, what you're looking for for this game, kind of your keys, your matchups, and anything um, that that the Eagles need to do in order to come away with this victory. The only thing I want to add is they need to play up to what other teams have done against Dallas so far, right? I mentioned the scores, yeah. you know, the 38 points, the 31 points. The offense needs to show up. You know, the defense can obviously get the sacks and put pressure on, but if you score 40 points, they're not going to catch you. So they need to step up, especially if we want them to be the team that we think they can be, especially when people start getting healthier and we start adding more to this team. You need to show up and play. Don't play down to your competition. Don't score 22 points against, you know, the New York Giants. Go out there, score 35, feel good about yourself, and at least have some some part of your team running on all cylinders. Yes, and now we are definitely a positive going in, into the bye week. All right, let's move on to the unheralded player of the week. What do we mean by unheralded? We don't want the Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady's, uh, Lamar Jackson's. We all know that they're great players. Who's a player um, that's under the radar? that stepped up for their team in a victory. Connor, we will start with you. For me, uh, no homer here, but I'm going Richard Rodgers. For for the sake that, I mean, he's been buried for two years now behind Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz in an offense that's relied very heavily on the 12 personnel and two tight ends being on the field and those two big bodies to throw to. And he stepped in admirably, and I think he'll be forced to step in again this week because I don't see Dallas Goddard playing. I think it's best not to play him, honestly, and let him get that full rest. I mean, he's coming off only four weeks since fracturing his ankle um so for me if you can play like 
Richard Rodgers did. He was targeted eight times. He made those six catches for over 80 yards. He was crucial on a couple drives in his ability to be a weapon for Carson Wentz. And the only other tight end to see a target, and this was all pass interference all the way. I don't care what the refs say or what they saw, um, was Hakeem Butler. Butler's one target in the end zone where the guy was climbing him like a child on a, on a tree. Um, so at the end of the day, that's big on Rodgers to step up like that. And clearly that's someone who we've kept around and we knew what was there. And he finally got the opportunity to step up and prove himself. And he definitely did. He had a really good game. I think he's going to be very important again this week against a couple linebackers in Jalen Smith and Lane Vander Esch who aren't having overly great seasons and are not that great in coverage. Yeah, I agree. And Richard Rodgers, we're kind of getting a look at what life could be like, say next year, if the Eagles were to happen, were happen to trade uh, Zach Ertz in the off season. And it was a, a Dallas Goddard and Richard Rogers uh, tight end room. Josh, do you have your do you have a unheralded player of the week from last week in the NFL? Yes, I'm going to go with the divisional rival. So Antonio Gibson, the running back yeah. for the Washington football team, uh, 20 carries, 128 yards, and a touchdown against Dallas in that smashing 25-3. So this guy is a guy in, in college who did not have a lot of carries. And I think he came in in the competition. Adrian Peterson was there. They thought maybe, you know, he'd be like in a committee, but he's really taken that job and, and shown to be a really good player uh, and to lead the NFL in rushing in a week. I mean, what more can you ask for from your running back? So I'm going to give him some credit. And uh, he was really the, the key cog of why they were able to beat Dallas so soundly. Yeah. And he was a receiver in college uh, at Memphis and he was, playing behind Tony Pollard, who's on Dallas, and Daryl Henderson, who's on the Rams. Uh, so he didn't get a lot of carries in college just because of who he was playing behind. And him. And if you can find a way to get him in space, he can definitely be a matchup nightmare. I'm going to go with Scott Miller, the receiver for the Buccaneers. He had a touchdown over 100 yards uh, receiving for Tampa in their win last week. Um, when you have names like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, and now you're going to add Antonio Brown to that mix, he's got to find a way to keep making plays, to keep himself relevant in the offense. And we know Tom Brady likes to throw to uh, shorter uh, white receivers, I'll say. Um, so he uh, it's kind of used to what he was doing in, in New England, throwing to an Edelman and Welker and um, uh, Amendola in, in the past. Uh, but, yeah, Scott Miller has been, has been a, a big key for that offense. And I don't know if there's going to be enough footballs to go around uh, when they're all healthy. When you, when you talk about um, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, I know O.J. Howard's out, but, you know, if he was still there and now Antonio Brown, Scott Miller, uh, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, uh, LaShawn McCoy, there's a lot of weapons on that offense in Tampa, and they're going to be a tough team to beat if they, if they can all stay healthy. All right, it's Dallas week. Eagles, Cowboys, Sunday night football. I want your – few few words on the game and i want your prediction we'll start with you connor uh my prediction is going to be 31 to 24 i think the only reason they get 24 points is the fact that we spoke about it before we came on the air garbage time ben denucci he's gonna have to throw the ball he's gonna have to do something and i'm sure they'll produce a, a, some points out of that and the prevent defense obviously which jim schwartz has perfected will <laughs> obviously be used later in the game when we're ahead and that will allow them to get some points and my final point is this has to be a wide receiver game this has to be a game where these guys really step up and show out travis fulgham's been stepping up and showing out continue to do that jalen regger's got to show up uh, he may not be able to show up as much as we would like as he's just coming back, but 
John Hightower to Greg Ward. This is a big game. We don't need the 150-yard, two-touchdown receiver. We just need all of them to equally show up and to really open the field up and spread the field. And so I think it's a really, really important game for those wide receivers to really step up. And this is a, a the Dallas Cowboys are the only team in the NFL with one interception. So Carson Wentz has got to be smart. This is a game where he can get right. He's currently sitting at 10 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. That is damn ugly stats. And this is a team who's allowed 11 touchdowns in the passing game and only has one pick. You cannot allow this team to have a pick or do anything of the sort against you. I agree with you there. Um, Josh, your prediction and any final words on the game? I think that's a really good point, Connor. I mean, we don't really talk about that during this this podcast, but you know, Carson's interception ratio is way higher than it's been in any other year, and uh, it's not talked about enough. Um, it's something that's worrisome, and hopefully he gets that right. I think if we're talking about the prediction for the game, I'm going to go with 24-17. You might be surprised at how close that is, but I just don't see – I've seen no evidence that this team can blow another team out. I haven't seen it. So until they prove it to me – I'm going to just say that they're going to be in a little bit more of a of a back and forth. We're going to be disappointed in the offensive performance, but I think they'll pull it out at the end, and we'll be right back where we are this week where we're not sure how to feel. I agree with you. It, it, I don't see the Eagles being able to, to blow any team out right now. It's just hard because, as you said, Josh, they, they haven't shown it. Um, I'm, also, I'm also a belief I'm with you, Connor, where this has to be a wide receiver game. and We're kind of seeing what the future of the wide receiver position could be for the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Rager, who, you know, obviously he might not get much playing time coming off the injury, but he'll be out there. Travis Fulgham, Greg Ward, Dallas Goddard might play tomorrow, might play. Um, Richard Rodgers, like we're, we're seeing the young guys, John Hightower. This is the future of the wide receiver position for the Eagles. You want to get rid of the big salaries and Alshon and Deshaun, they're not going to be here next year. So this is what we can anticipate seeing going forward from the Philadelphia Eagles at the wide receiver position. And I'm off offensive lineman. The trenches are important. They, they, the Eagles need to to get after Ben DiNucci. Don't let him sit in the pocket because if he, he's able to sit in the pocket and he gets more than, you know, three, four, five seconds to throw the ball, their receivers are good enough that somebody's bound to get open. Um, you know, it might not be whoever. It might not be Amari Cooper because Darius Slay's covered on him, but C.D. Lamb is a hell of a good, hell of a good player, um, and Michael Gallup is their big play threat uh, down the field. So they have to be able to get pressure on, on Ben DiNucci. And the offensive line cannot allow Demarcus Lawrence or Alden Smith to get after Carson. We know his, you know, he like he he, can, he fumbles the ball. Let's be real, he, he can't do that. I'm gonna take the Eagles to win the game. Um, it's gonna be 27-17. Um, I'm still struggling with how the the Cowboys are gonna score 17, but it's, it, it happens, and it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a close game. It's a division matchup. Dallas quit last week. They want to go out there and prove like we're not quitters. Um, but if they if they if the Eagles can get out to a quick start and jump out to a ten nothing fourteen nothing lead in the first quarter, I think that's game. And I think Dallas will quit, and it could be smooth sailing um, in the second half, which we haven't had all year. So it would be nice to have a nice game where we're not sitting there, you know, biting our nails to the end. Josh, thank you for joining us. I want to give you a chance uh, to to plug your yourself. Um, tell tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter and and your about your podcast. I appreciate that. I appreciate you both having me on. This was a lot of fun. 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Josh McNutt 24. Uh, I also have a podcast, The Missing Link, L-I-N-C. It should be weekly, but between moving and getting married, it hasn't been weekly. Uh, that will start again next week. So uh, I'll be back in action soon now that my life uh, is finally <laughs> back together. <laughs> uh, congratulations on, on the move and getting married, by the way. Thank um, you. Know, thank you very I know, much. Uh, Connor had said it earlier, but yeah. Uh, thank you for coming on. We, we definitely appreciate it. You're more than welcome to come on again. Um, this turned out to be a really, really good, good episode. Um, as always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Um, wherever you're listening to us, please rate and review the show. Um, we, we accept DMs. You can slide into our DMs, giving us any uh, a critique that you would like about about our our show. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor Ten. Connor does a great job on uh, game days, uh, keeping our Kelly Green Hour Twitter. You know, up to date, whether it's play uh, drive by drive, quarter by quarter, it doesn't matter. Connor does a great job. And you can follow me on Twitter at LJHarrell54. Um, I will be complaining about something because the Eagles games never, ever, ever, ever go as smoothly as they should. And by the way, am I the only one that notices whenever the Eagles score a touchdown, the defense right away gives up a touchdown? I would like to see that not happen this week. It would be very nice if the Eagles defense can get a shutdown drive here and there. For Connor, for Josh, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. We'll